It's Intentionally Blank. We're at New York Comic Con. Yay! Yay! So, do we have enough cards signed at this point? Who doesn't have stop? a card? Yeah, lots of people don't have cards, Dan. Crying. Well, yeah, but I signed them already. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You, you, you might. Okay. We're so, going to talk. Dan, Dan, yes. Dan. Yes, sir. As you know, when it comes to the realm. This is of our maiden butler dialogue. Moral philosophy, right? When yes. it comes to the realm of moral philosophy, I am basically a Goliath. One of the foremost minds yes, of our of age. Yes, moral philosophy of our age that's ever existed. Right? Yes. 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 And so I have, this is our new segment that you guys don't know about yet because it's not the episode of that, another one of Brandon's trolley problems. Okay. Brandon's trolley Brandon's problems. Brandon's trolley problems. If you're not familiar with the trolley problem, this is a, a really difficult, difficult, difficult decision and you have to make. Important decision. Important decision you have to make. All right, Dan. Kay. You go to a restaurant and you order food. Okay. Right? And you order two of your favorite dishes at your favorite restaurant. Mm hmm. They arrive, one you can tell has been sitting out on the counter long enough that it has started to get cold. And you are, of course, a person who loves your food at the perfect temperature. And this is half the perfect temperature. Yes. While the other one is the perfect temperature. Do you eat the halfway cold one so that it will not be fully cold? But that means the one that is right now the correct temperature is going to be halfway cold by the time you eat it. Okay. Or do you eat one dish perfect yeah. and then the other one at 100% coldness where it is just going to be a ruination of your favorite thing? Okay. One so, wonderful thing and one bad thing or two medium things? Two medium things. Yeah. Let me ask in this instance, Yes. why did I order two entrees? It's not two entrees. It's like one plate of your favorite things together. It's like okay. it's the pasta dish at Valters. Okay. Right? So they brought like, me like a, yeah. a meat course and a pasta yeah, course yeah, yeah, at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you know, or maybe you order an appetizer or like the and it side came, came yeah. separately or uh -huh. something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh see, boy, the most difficult moral the philosophy questions difficult. of our time, <laughs> presented by me, the Goliath of moral philosophy. Man, everyone, um, put your slings away. <laughs> well, are we assuming, like in spherical cow terms, that both of these dishes? are equally enticing and I like them the same. Yes, yes. In okay. a magical world, you like them both exactly the same. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which might mean one of them is a spherical cow. <laughs> Boy, I think that I am going to default toward I'm going to eat the perfect one and have that sublime experience uh -huh. and then probably end up taking the other one home or, or something or suffering through it. I'd rather have something that I love right now mm -hmm. than... Oh, this is okay. Things. Yeah. I would do the same. Mm -hmm. What would you tell the waiter when the waiter comes by and they say, oh, how was your food? Are you the person who's like, this one was 50% too cold. It sat on the counter. Or are you the person who's <laughs> like, oh, it was, it was delicious and delightful. And the thing that was good was great. And I'll just take this as a box. Please. I tend to not make waves in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. I perhaps am overcorrecting to be as nice to the wait staff as I possibly can. With the exception of, if the steak is cooked wrong, I will send it back. Mm. I um, will rarely send a steak back, even. Really? Um, yeah. This is because my Which, ancient... You like well-done steak. I do not. I like medium steak. Well, you used to like well-done. I used to like medium well. I've never okay. ordered a well-done steak okay. in my life. But it's okay if you do. That's what we <laughs> talked about yes. on our podcast. You may like your steaks the way that you like your steaks. 
but I will enjoy a steak for what it is anywhere in the medium rare to medium well range. Mm -hmm. So that's why I rarely will send a steak back. I'll be yeah. like, well, I enjoy it for what it is. If it's too well done, I would send it back. And if it were 100% rare, I just can't do rare for whatever reason. So I've found that if they won't take the steak back and then I just ask for steak sauce, then they get really offended. Like our steaks don't need sauce, sir. Oh. And I'm like, well, if they're cooked correctly, they don't. Ah. Oh, I went, we're in New York, right? Uh -huh. Do you guys know Katz's Deli? I took my mom to Katz's Deli. This is the Where Harry Met Sally mm -hmm. Deli. Yeah, um, I'm going there tomorrow. Oh, and I recommend if you have the time going to the back where they do the weighted seating, where there's a waiter waiting on you, because we got the most perfect New York waiter. And I'm sure he was hamming it up a little bit, but he was delightful. He was exactly New York. It's like New York essence distilled into one bald, thick, surly man with a smirk. And he mm -hmm. was wonderful because my mom had never been to a true Jewish style deli, right? Yeah. And so, you know, like one of our parties like, can I get provolone on that? And he's like, if you want provolone on a sandwich, go to Philly. It was perfect. <laughs> and, you know, Moshe, who's my editor, was there. And, you know, this is one of his favorite places. And as the guy was walking by, Moshe's like, you know, this is probably the best pastrami in New York. And the guy's like, probably. <laughs> and, you know, stuff like that. It was wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. New York has this, uh, this, this really fun relationship with waiters where it's like, the customer is not always right when you walk into one of these restaurants. Mm -hmm. uh, the waiter is right. But they will work with you in a way that's almost performance art to actually get you something good. So, yeah. So have you tried the celery soda pop? I yet? have tried the celery soda pop. Maybe you like times. it? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. totally fine. What I really love is a good matzo ball soup. This is one of the things you can't get in Utah. Mm -hmm. I wish also Utahns knew how to cut their pastrami because Utahns <laughs> like to shave pastrami like it's like an Arby's yeah. sandwich or something. Mm -hmm. And then when they cook it, it just shrivels up. Right? Yeah. And what you really want is you want thick cut pastrami that is just lightly warmed so that it doesn't shrivel up so it remains juicy. And that is good pastrami. New York obviously knows how to do that. They do their it's pastrami kind of their well. Thing, one of uh, them, but yeah. I do need to point out, because this is a thing not a lot of people know. In Utah, when the very first fast food, like burger joint kind of places that started in Utah way, way back in the day, we're all run by Greek families, and mm. so the traditional Utah hamburger does have pastrami on it. Yep. Uh, you know, and they, you can get a gyro at your burger joints. Yeah, and things uh, like a lot that. of the burger joints have a ton of Greek food there. But they there. shave that pastrami. They shave so, it really. Yeah. I actually like it like Do that, you? probably because oh. I grew up with it. Yeah. It's like bacon from more. Utah, so. so anyway. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I love coming to New York and getting, but the thing is, I do like mayo on my pastrami sandwich, which I never dare oh do my. at a Jewish-style deli. Oh, someone gave me a yuck over here. Mayo is good, guys. Mayo mustard. Spicy, I, I, spicy mustard is good, too. But you can tell the New Yorkers because I say mayo, and they're just like, ah! <laughs> so We've already said that if you like well-done steak, we still love you. So I'm yeah. going to have to bow on the mayo thing, but mm. I'm not happy about it. Yeah? So, all right, we are going to talk about... Do you remember, by the way, like 10 years ago, Miracle Whip had this line of commercials that was like, we're the badass mayo. Like, do you remember those? And they're like, it's Miracle Whip for edgy people. And it was so ridiculous. Did you they're my favorite commercials of all time. When you were a kid, Miracle Whip sandwiches? No. I did. <laughs> oh, they're so gross. But for some reason as a kid, 
right? You eat gross things, but yeah. you won't eat good things, right? If someone hands you something delicious, you're like, what is that? I can't touch it. Poke, poke, poke. I tried it, Dad. It's awful, right? Yeah. Like all of my kids, this is how they respond to delicious food is they poke it. <laughs> but they will eat a Miracle Whip sandwich with nothing. And I used to do it as well. And I can remember the flavor. And it is, to this day, 35 years later, the one of the grossest things I can imagine, but I also have associated with it, loving it. <laughs> so I was a different alien creature when I was that age. You, you know what I did when I was really little? What? We would take, like, white bread, the really thin, crappy stuff. Yep. And we would press it really hard into the wire frame seats of these, like, porch chairs that we had. So it looked like a waffle, and then toast it and put syrup on it because we were idiots. <laughs> yeah, we need... <laughs> well, we don't do this anymore. Yes, yes, we... I haven't eaten, like, a porch chair waffle in days. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Uh, hey, our Hot Ones challenge went live today. If our you guys Hot Ones. Seen it, we uh, it hot went live yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. We did a whole Two episode where uh, it was. It actually went up Thursday, so it was yesterday. Oh, it was yesterday. Yeah, okay, we, we delayed it late. one day because there's a lot of editing. But if you haven't seen our most recent episode, everyone watching, like or listening to the podcast, they're like, "Of course, that's a month old." All of you, we did a Hot Ones challenge for ourselves, and if you ever wanted proof that Brandon is literally just a robot in human skin. Like, he's a Cylon. Uh, yeah, no physical reaction to the hot sauces whatsoever. I want to now eat some of the peppers, just like a straight-up, like, Carolina Reaper or ghost pepper, and see if that would have a response. <laughs> Are they, is, it, is it hotter than the hot sauce if you just eat the pepper? Often the it sauce? is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I want to try that sometime. Okay, we're going to actually talk about our topic, because we're already 10 minutes in. We have a topic. We have a topic. It's Rings of Power episode Rings three of Power. Are we only doing three and four? Three and four, yeah. Okay, because I did watch seen, five and six. I've only seen three and four. Ah. I didn't watch five and six because I did not want to be tainted and accidentally talk about five and well, six. Well, you didn't tell me that. I know I didn't. I actually told you the opposite. But yeah. I reserve the right to change my mind at any moment. Okay, crap. Well, i got to remember what happens in three and four, then. So... Spoiler um, warning from for, here on out. For episodes three and four of Rings of Power. Everything. So, general feel of the show after episode four. General feel about the show. Episode three, I thought, was actually one of the very strongest ones in the series. Really? Because it was much more focused. It was basically just two characters. We were getting Erendir, and we were getting Galadriel, and nothing else. I don't okay. think we saw the Harfoots at all. We didn't see Elrond at all. And that much tighter focus made it a much better story. So I agree with you on a conceptual level. I'm still enjoying the show, mm -hmm. right? But nothing has been as fun for me as episode two. And this is because I think the whole Numenor Galadriel thing has been a misfire. That's the thing most people online seem to dislike. And I can kind of talk about why. So I think the why is at the end of episode four, to remind you where it is, the end of episode four is when the Numenorians decide they're going to join their queen and go with Galadriel and sail to save the, was it the Westlands? The Southerns. The Southerns, right? And they are obviously very much building to this moment because it is presented in the episode as this great stand-up and cheer moment 
like unto, again, they're kind of aping the movies a bit, like unto when the Rohirrim decide, you know, yeah. that they're going to go. And Rohan will yeah. answer. And Rohan will answer. It's like they're shooting for that sort of vibe. The problem is we don't like anyone involved in this, right? <laughs> like we have spent two episodes being proven that the Numenorians are racist, that they like to beat up people in alleys, that they're petty, that they are liars and won't tell us about the truth about their king, that they are afraid, and all these things. Like, this is all the characterization we have of them. Every moment is spent characterizing them as people we do not want to hang out with. Yeah. Galadriel remains this person who has only one focus in life, is so doggedly pursuing that that she has no other personality, and it is getting really grating to just be like, Galadriel, what do you think? Okay, we know what you think, um, right? <laughs> so the only shining point of this is Sauron, who I'm still convinced is Sauron, beating people up in an alley in a really satisfying scene, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't think he's Sauron. Yeah, he might. He's probably. I think. Turn out to be I the think Witch he's King. the Witch King. Yeah. But but I'm holding out for Sauron because I think it'll be way more we'll interesting see. if he's Sauron. Now um, the counterexample to that, yeah. Ellen Deal. Yes. Is great. Is great. He really is. He's wonderful. And they are not giving him a single friggin' thing to do other than be in the background and not be a jackass. Yes. Like, his son, Isildur, is terrible and makes bad decisions, and I don't know why we're supposed to like him. Mm -hmm. The queen makes bad decisions, and I'm not sure why we're supposed to like her. Yep. But um, he's like, hey, I still have honor, and I'm trying to navigate the complex world of politics that I am part of. Yeah. Which is interesting. Right? But the show is not interested but, in it. But the show is not interested in it. And so suddenly you have these two episodes where at the end they're like, and we will sail with you. Yay! And I looked around at all the people watching with me and they're like, eh, right? Do we need these people? Can't you go back and get the elves? We kind of like them better. At least Elrond's likable. You know, like, and, and so the whole thing just hit with a whiff for me. And then you mix that with the Harfoots, which I like. But their society is so broken. Oh, it's a mess. And it's a, like someone. My favorite I, part yeah. of the Harfoots, and I say this very sarcastically, while also completely sincere, is their whole song is, we all march together and nobody walks alone. Yeah. And then they leave a group behind. Yeah. Like while singing that song. Yeah. Like I know what happened, right? I know what happened. I don't know, no, because I wasn't in the writer's room. But what I imagine, and I, I'm like 90% sure, is they mm -hmm. get and they've plotted all these things out, and they're like, oh, no, the Harfords have no conflict. <laughs> what are we going to do? Because the conflict doesn't exist for them. What is their conflict? And then they're like, what if the dad breaks his leg and is going to get left behind, and then not Gandalf? picks up the cart and wheels it for them. Won't that be great? It's a wonderful, touching moment where showing, you know, it's like the lion's paw. I pulled the thorn out of the lion's paw, now the lion comes and helps me. Mm -hmm. And they, they focus so much on that moment, they forgot that it would make every other Harfoot in the entire society not only completely lack empathy, but be stupid. This is a very <laughs> small society that cannot afford to lose families mm -hmm. because otherwise they do not have enough genetic diversity to continue, right? <laughs> like, there's like 50 of them. You yeah. can't leave five of them behind, right? And if you look at real world hunter-gatherers, they didn't do this, right? Mm -hmm. For, particularly because those people marching on without you, that's your cousin. Yeah. That's your, you know, right? Like, you are all deeply related. 
And so it's like seeing the one hobbit, the not Sam. Not Sam or not Frodo? Not Sam. Not Sam. Not Sam pulling her own cart by herself and stumbling. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing that's ever, like, yeah. someone's going to help her because she has cousins everywhere. And she doesn't have to have a whole cart because she's one person. They obviously have a cart behind that is for four people. She can put her stuff in another cart and help them. It's the dumbest thing just to have that moment. And now I'm like completely checked out on the Harfoots. I'm like, you are a bunch of hypocrites yeah. and you're stupid. Maybe you're inbred because there's only 50 of you and you keep leaving people behind and you have to figure out what's happening to you. But like, I'm like, why are you shooting your empathy in the foot to have conflict? Do not in your writing shoot your empathy for your characters in the foot in order to have conflict. Come up with a form of conflict that increases empathy for your characters. Well, and the big thing that lets you know as a viewer that this was an afterthought, that this was put in after they'd already come up with the story, is that there's no reaction shot or conversation whatsoever, even in later episodes, spoiler warning, about, hey, we just left those people behind. <laughs> they um, don't? They don't even no. respond to it? No, like, they get left behind and they're walking on and then we see the other people, you know, marching off in the distance. We never get a perspective shot from them or a reaction shot. No one ever looks behind and is like, oh crap, not Frodo's family is way back there. Should we go get them? Like, none of that. Right. They don't feel bad about it. They don't even acknowledge that it has happened. It's So we're going to so have weird. to spend the rest of the season with not Frodo talking to these people who, and they're ignoring the fact of, hey, you know that time where we made your dad with a broken foot march at the back knowing he was going to die because you're a bit of a scamp? You remember that, not Frodo? So can I give you one small yeah. spoiler? Yeah, ahead. I yeah. can't remember. I think this is episode six. My wife and I were convinced that they had been fully left behind because we don't see them marching with the rest of the people for like two and a half episodes. And then they just kind of catch up. Yeah. <laughs> and the other people are like, oh, those people are slow behind us. There's no mention of, yeah, we abandoned them for a month. They're just like, oh, yeah, they're here again. And so I can't imagine that these are the best episodes. <laughs> like, this has been nosedive for me in yeah. most terms, because both of those plot lines I am disliking. I continue to love Elrond and Durin. I love the little lies between them. I love that, you know, they're figuring it out and kind of, they're friends, but they hide things. There's a lot going on there. And I do like- Sexy Puerto Rican elf? Sexy Puerto Rican elf. <laughs> Arendir. Let's talk about Arendir's plot line. Because that whole thing where it's like, we've captured all these elves and we're making them dig tunnels. Yeah. I thought that was, Interesting. Yes. When Adar shows up, that Adar shows up in four, right? Yes. Is okay. that his elf leader guy? Yeah, the guy yeah. leading the orcs. Yeah. Uh, oh, he... that guy. Yeah. Not Sauron, you mean? <laughs> right? Because we've got a not Sauron now. His job is to make you think, oh, that's Sauron. Yeah, you're supposed to think that, and mm -hmm. yeah. I guess he's not really not Sauron. He's like, you know, he's more... One of the characters later, I think this comes in five, actually calls him Sauron and gets punched for it. Okay. Okay, uh, so which he's, is he's canonically nice, not Sauron. He's canonically not Sauron. Okay. His best moment comes in six, and okay. it's wonderful. I actually really like him as a character. But I gotta say, just from the production design, I love the orcs' little cloaks and hoods that they wear to yeah. go out in the sun. That looks awesome every time they do it. The world building and stuff right there is really cool. I mean, I think they could have done a little bit more with 
they didn't have the time. The mm -hmm. whole, we're trapped in prison, let's come up with a plan and escape, is usually a really fun plot cycle. They had to zip through it so fast that it left me a little bit wanting, but the visuals were very cool. It was a nice try-fail cycle. Yeah. I will say this, their combat in the show is ridiculous. Their fight <laughs> scenes are like 2000's Mulan or 2021's Mulan, where people are like jumping up and kicking arrows at each other instead of just yeah. stabbing each other. Well, they're elves. They're elves. They can do that. They can do that. But every time I watch one of the fight scenes, there is Sigourney Weaver's voice in my head saying, does rolling really help? <laughs> Does it, like, where's your gun, right? Like, every time they, I'm like, did doing a triple sideways flip really actually help in this instance? Yeah. Or All the time. Yeah. Obviously, that's mm -hmm. definitely helpful. I also want to say. Let's see, who wait. needs one of these? Do we all have them? We've, okay, we've got enough of them okay. signed. So when you leave, you can get one. We can stop signing we these things. We can stop signing and look at you yeah. instead of we can, the table. Yeah. I do want to say that in that little prison break kind of section, which was episode three or four, I think it was three, they characterized at least the leader of the prison elves really well and very quickly. They did. I We'd seen him earlier. I don't remember his name. Right? And we'd seen him earlier and he was like a jerk. Yep. And then we saw him in prison. And we're like, actually, this guy's very competent. He's, he's a, a competent good leader. Jerk. He's good at what he does. He's just racist. Yeah, he's, yeah. yeah. But only against, you know. Southerns, yeah. humans, mm -hmm. elves. No, I, I yeah. like that. I thought they did a good job with him. I like the shot of him dead because, you know, like when you climb up and like that's mm -hmm. a nice steal the hope moment because of course he's not getting it away. Yeah. They're everywhere, right? And so that was nice. What did you think about the sun going back and, you know, getting magic sword that doesn't apparently do anything? Yeah. I well, was really waiting for the magic sword to be like super cool, and then he uses it twice, and both times just like I now have half a sword, and they're like, "Ooh, half a like, sword! Crap. Ooh, whole um, half a sword!" I mean, they know um, they want it. The sun is stuff. turning into not one Gollum? of the most interesting characters not Gollum, in the show. Right? Are we going to call him not Gollum? Because he's got the hidden magic item that is corrupting him slowly over time. He's not Smeagol. He's not but, Gollum yet, and he's little. <laughs> Yeah. His character changes wildly in the two episodes you haven't okay. seen. Okay. Well, maybe you know who else changes wildly? <gasps> Smeagol. Into Gollum. <laughs> Theo swerves a different direction. Okay. Theo's very interesting. I think the biggest problem with that artifact, because they do interesting things with it, it shouldn't be a sword. It shouldn't look like a sword. Because every time someone pulls it out, you're like, okay, we're about to see the business, and then yeah. you don't. Because right. that's not what it is. I'm expecting Nightblood, and instead I get, you know, I don't know, I get nothing, right? I'm like, yeah. ooh, he's going to turn them all into smoke and they're going to melt. Nope. Like, they're nope. just going to be like, whoa, it's just look what you got. It is a sword-shaped MacGuffin that is never used as a sword. Mm. See, now you're giving us spoilers again. Like, yeah. yeah, I'll um, stop. Mm. I didn't tell you what it's used for. Oh, okay. Oh, it's used for something. Very nice. Oh, it does Ooh. something. How it many episodes are there? Is it is it an eight episode season? Eight in total. Eight in total. Thank you. Eight. So so we got two more. Yeah, I sessions. will say, mm -hmm. I really love the show. Okay. More than I think most people do. There are parts of it that are completely ridiculous, mm -hmm. and I still enjoy them anyway. Okay. I do not love the show, but I am still thumbs up on the show. Right? Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. I still am looking forward to watching episodes. Part of it is because it's living in that realm where when they're good, they're really good. When they're bad, they're fun to talk about, right? <laughs> because it's the near, near misses are sometimes really interesting to talk about. And the mm -hmm. whole thing, like analyzing why they would do this stupid thing with the Harfoots. And they're yeah. like, okay, I can see how this happens in the writer's room and how you do this revision and then it messes a bunch of things up and mm -hmm. then it's too late to change it. And Well, yeah. and that's one of the problems with these huge multi-thread, multi-POV kind of shows is mm -hmm. sometimes you just straight up don't have anything for some of the characters to do. And with episode three, they solved that by just not going back to those characters. Right. And it worked really well, but they still didn't have anything to do with the Harfits in episode four, and we're like, well, but we gotta remind people they exist, so let's make something up. And mm -hmm. so a lot of it just feels like treading water because they need to remind you these characters exist. All right, so let's go down our list of mysterious characters. Okay. You need to try to pretend you don't know what's happened in future ones. Okay. You are on board for not Aragorn, Actually, I love not out, Aragorn. He's gonna turn out to be the Pretty, witch king. He's gonna be one of the Nazgul. I think the witch king. That's okay. my guess. That's your guess. So right I, now, yeah. I think you're right, but I want him to be Sauron, so I'm still putting him down as Sauron on my list because okay. I think turning your Aragorn character into Sauron is a really great way to show that Sauron would have been a great leader, was a mm -hmm. really interesting person, could have been sympathetic, and it's a way to humanize Sauron, which is one of the things I think you want to do with this story. Yeah, the big point in that column for mm -hmm. me is that four episodes in, no one is actually Sauron, and if yes. they're gonna introduce him, they need to do it sooner or later. Yes. So, All right, yeah. so little kid. Theo? Theo. Like, I don't know what I'm thinking of Theo. Like, basically all the male human characters need to be the king under the mountain, <laughs> or whatever his name, the ghost king guy, right? Or a Nazgul, or a Sauron. Yeah, right? I'm still in the Theo's and Nazgul camp. Theo's and Nazgul. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So um, he has to end up as a king. He is. Are all the Nazgul kings, right? Yes, I oh, think so. Oh, we should acknowledge how stupid we are. We're stupid. Why, why? What are we stupid about? So the best way to find out information on the internet by, you know, whoever's law it was is to say yeah. the wrong information and then oh, read the comments. That's right. We now know all the things we were wrong about Tolkien in the comments to our previous episode because the <laughs> Tolkien nerds, which who I really appreciate you Tolkien nerds, I'm not making fun of you, they came in and told us all the things. Oh man, every time we talk about Tolkien, the YouTube comments are all like, I am so disappointed. They are, they are nicer than thing. that. Some of them are. Some of them are, yes. For reference, if you don't know, I didn't read Lord of the Rings till I was in college, right? That just um, means you've read it more recently and you should know it better, mm. and I'm very disappointed in you. Yes, yes, you, you're allowed to be very disappointed. So we know that from the comment section, I'm going to get this right, or I think that most of the wizards don't show up until the Third Age, yeah. the beginning of the Third Age. And so it, canonical to Lord of the Rings, this couldn't be any of the wizards. I, and Gandalf yes. gets handed the ring later on. But also, this show is playing so fast and loose and is overtly incorrect about a ton of the timeline yes. stuff already. So that, to me, does not hold right. any water. Because I was guessing Isildur for the person on the ship, right, in mm -hmm. our episode. And they're like, ah, I can't be Isildur. He's like 100 years later. And they're right, it wasn't. It was just his dad. <laughs> and so what do you think about all this timeline compression? And uh, is this, yeah. I I can absolutely see why somebody said, hey, you know what we should really do is, you know, the story that begins 
the Lord of the Rings movies about, you know, Elrond and, and Isildur and, and not destroying the ring. Let's tell that. Let's mm-hmm. tell the creation of the rings. Let's do all this. Compressing all of that, they didn't need to also tell the dwarves are delving too deep and we're going to see a Balrog. They didn't need to also tell, hey, we discovered Mithril exists. They didn't need to tell all these extra things. They didn't need to do them all in one season, at least. No. And they um, didn't need to do, you know, young single Galadriel. Like, canonically, she is she married, married and by this point. her daughter's yeah. like a thousand years old already. And they're ignoring that. And for the record, I'm fine with that because I'm looking at this as, you know, the fan fiction role-playing game campaign that I wish I was running. But, yeah, I don't think a lot of their compression is necessary. I think they're trying to throw too much fan service into it. Mm -hmm. But I think their instincts are good. So my Tolkien expert brother-in-law, who I misquoted last time on something, I can't remember (laughs) what I misquoted him on, but I got it wrong what he had told me. Was he he one of the angry comments? No, but I did misquote him, but he knows his Tolkien stuff. He has told me that one of the kind of counterclaims to the arguments against it, and he likes the show, right? Mm -hmm. And his sort of, what's it, he was telling me that one of the counterclaims to all of this is that Tolkien himself was a folklorist and was creating mythology, and mythologies change and alter over time. And if you say, what's North mythology? You have to say, which version of North mythology from which incarnation? And the timelines in Norse mythology are just all over the place also. Yeah. The question becomes, is it then a little more okay to do this to Tolkien's work? Because this was overtly what he was trying to do, is create a mythology. And so getting the timelines wrong, just like people do, do you think that's an acceptable argument or is that just stretching? No, I think that's a very acceptable argument. And I say that as someone who does not have a vested financial interest in the Tolkien estate. Mm. If it were my own work, I might be more protective of it. Yeah. Probably not, though, because, as we've said many times, unfaithful adaptations are my jam. I totally dig this kind of stuff. I think that's a very good excuse. That is very similar to the reasons that you gave for the Wheel of Time series differing. Yeah. Is its mythology, it can be different. Yours was a little different. It was a different turn of the wheel is different from just saying mythology Mm. is fluid. But, yeah. I'm cool. Like, I can imagine somebody seeing this show and then passing the tradition orally down until someone writes the Silmarillion and gets it all wrong. Like, if that's the interpretation I'm supposed to come away with, yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we oh. have a little bit more time. We have a little bit. Okay, have... so should we go through some of the other characters? Yeah, yeah. Let's do some more. Do so. you have... So who, who is who not is, Gandalf? Who is not, not Gandalf? I still think not Gandalf is Saruman. Saruman? My argument for it being that, again, if I were sitting in that writer's room, mm-hmm. I would say, okay, we want to hearken back to the movies, but we want to do it in a way that turns some things on their heads and does new and interesting things. It's this idea of familiar and strange, right? You mash together familiar and strange. It would be, hey, we're going to have someone who feels very like Gandalf show up, but then, oh, he's Saruman because Saruman's a good guy back then. And we get to come to love Saruman so that it makes the movies more tragic because we see that he was a good guy and we see why Gandalf trusted him mm. and all of these things. Doing that adds to the movies. Doing Gandalf, I feel like, wouldn't as much, right? It's just like, we know Gandalf is great. We've already seen Gandalf hanging out with hobbits. We know all of this. It's the safe choice to make in Gandalf. Saruman's a more interesting choice, and I think it adds to the lore better. Yeah. One of the big arguments against that, which Mm -hmm. I don't agree with, is that Saruman canonically didn't know what hobbits were. 
And the reason I think that's a dumb argument is because he was the smartest one. He knew what hobbits were. Yes. He may have told everyone he didn't know what the hobbits were, but yeah. he was a smart guy. I still cannot get over the really, really bonk you on the head, big flaming eye imagery that they uh -huh. keep going so back to with him. So you think it's Sauron? I don't think it's Sauron, but I can't imagine why they would go so hard on the big red eye if because, it's not. Because red herring. Because red herring? Right? We wow. have three potential Saurons. They want us to have these discussions, which is very smart of them, yeah. on these panels about which one. So if he's not Sauron to you, and not Aragorn isn't Sauron to you, and Boy isn't Sauron, well, he never really was, but we know that creepy, corrupted elf dude isn't Sauron, then who is? You think I don't he hasn't know. shown up yet? If it were me, mm -hmm. and I was the one saying, okay, you know, I get to continue the story on from this point, he would absolutely be Sauron. He would be the one who shows up and talks to Celebrimbor, you know, once he finally gains, like, human yeah. language and everything, and he's like, I know how to make these incredible magic rings. Let's go to town. That's probably still the direction that I would go. Okay. Because not Aragorn, while he would be an interesting Sauron for the reasons you said, there is not enough in his background that tells me he's going to be able to do rings. We do, he's a blacksmith. We do see him doing that, but... But that could be just red herring stuff. Like, it, ooh, it he's a blacksmith. Yeah. Look, look, look. So yeah, I don't know. Playing it very... Uh, other than Sauron, Saruman is my other guess. I would say that probably one of the best things they're doing, other than looking really good for this show, is leaving this one legitimately that it could be either of those. Or it could mm -hmm. be, we just haven't introduced him yet. And they're going to play the joke where in the last episode, someone walks on stage and you're like, oh, we've been guessing all this time. They're Sauron. Yeah. If not Gandalf turns out to be Tom Bombadil, I'm going to throw a party. You're going to throw a party because the Tolkien gonna nerds are going to so start... It's so great. They're going to start burning things. Yeah. If, like, he finally learns to talk and the first thing he says is, like, ring-a-dong-dillo, <laughs> that is going to... Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. When it's going to make me so happy. When the Tolkien nerds burn things, do they, like, sing beautiful songs by the firelight? <laughs> at acapella or something? He's walking along with the Harfoots, and then at one point he's like, actually, I'm going to stay here. That's a really attractive tree. <laughs> when the Tolkien nerds burn things, does the smoke coming from their looting form ships that fly through rings? I hope so. <laughs> All right, uh, we've gone crazy. Thank you guys so much on New York Comic Con. Yeah.